Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming Transforming truth truth to power. 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 One broadcast broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Hi, this is Miles Graham. I am a producer for this edition of Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining this special edition of Our Common Ground. The George Zimmerman trial is the most important event of my lifetime to test the principles of justice in America. My friends and I will be watching to measure whether America is willing to protect black boys like me in America. Thank you again for being with us. Walking on gold, look, bro. Know you walking on gold, look, bro. And I know you so proud, man, how strong your family is, homie. I know you is. 
This one tell you something, bro. This one tell you, bro. You'll forever live on. Live on. Forever live on. Live on. You'll forever live on. Live on. Trial of George Zimmerman, charged more than a year ago in the shooting death of Trayvon Martin. Jury selection begins today, and questions about race likely to play a big role in that process. Just a couple of minutes, some 500 jurors will begin marching into the building behind me. They'll start by filling out a questionnaire specifically designed for this trial. Okay, and is it a male or female? It sounds like a male. And you don't know why? I don't know why. I think they're yelling help, but I don't know. Does he look hurt? I can't see him. I don't want to go out there. I don't know what's going on. So they're sending. So you think he's yelling help? Yes. All right. What is your number? Gunshots. You just heard gunshots? Yes. How many? This one. Jimmy, get down. Stay by his family as well. Now, I, I, I will say one other important thing. It was a huge victory when the defense waived their pretrial stand-your-ground immunity hearing because it validated what all the protesters said about having the right to have George Zimmerman come to court to face the evidence against him for killing an unarmed teenager. And that's all they were asking for. They were not asking for a conviction. They were asking that the Constitution apply to everybody, that we be fair. And Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin and Trayvon's whole family have asked continuously that the process be fair because that's all they want is a fair process and the verdict be based on the evidence. Okay, in conclusion, I would only say that today was very important because the trial is on track to come forth on June 10th. This family has wanted to have their day in court. They wanted to not have their son's death be in vain. And so they pray continuously that the justice system does not fail them. At this time, we'll answer uh, a few questions if need be. Call me, I'm walking with angels in this big fortress with no more pain. With no more pain. I'm a cool, fly, young athlete. I never did a crime, I ain't got a rap sheet. I'm kind of like every other kid at my age. Chasing after chicks, playing sports, playing games. I might have tried weed a couple times with my crew, but I'm not a drug head. I just try something new. I'm still a kid, and as a team, we make mistakes. I'm only 17 with a dream to make a change. I want to be an NBA basketball player. I'm not a slayer. I'm not a hustler or a player. And every single night before I sleep, I say my prayers, hoping I overcome. Everything that I'm afraid of I love my life, I'm not a killer Never carried a pistol, never carried a knife My father taught me how to fight Taught me never use a gun Cause in memory of Trayvon Martin My heart is heaven, God doesn't call me I'm walking with angels Rest in peace, no more pain L.A. 
Carolina general. Home is heaven. God doesn't call me. I'm walking with angels in this big fortress. With Let's no take more a stand, y'all. With no more pain. You gotta keep marching. He's here now. He's just staring. He's just I am. At all the Trayvon. Okay. Now he's just staring at me. Okay. Hey, so did, so that's the clubhouse. That's the clubhouse. Do you know what's up? He's near the clubhouse right now? Yeah, now he's coming towards me. Oh, no. He's got his hand in his waistband. And he's a black male. Okay. How old would you say he looks? He's got a button on his shirt. Late teens. Late teens, okay. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with him. Yeah. He's coming to check me out. He's got something in his hands. I don't know what his deal is. And good evening, and thank you for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. This is a special edition of Our Common Ground, and we thank our summer intern, Miles G., for his production work for this program, and we thank you for being with us. If you're listening on your smart device or your computer, you can join us here at Our Common Ground at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG, and join us in our chat room as we spend the next two hours looking at the trial of George Zimmerman. He is accused of second-degree murder in the case of Trayvon Martin. We have decided at Our Common Ground to do this broadcast tonight because we think it's very important to do a number of things. That is, to be informed about the facts, to be informed about the issues of what is going to happen around this trial. This is week one where jury selection has already begun. The um, court has seated four uh, jurors since yesterday, and we're going to visit the issue of how jury selection is going to happen. Um, I think it's very important for us as black people, especially, to have a place to think through what this means for us, and one of the reasons um, most of you who are regulars at Our Common Grounds, who, who are family members, as you might say, under, uh, know that Miles G., our producer of this episode, is my 11-year-old grandson. And one of the reasons that he is involved in the production of this broadcast is because I think that it is important for him to be able to express to some extent, to think through and to process an unarmed 17-year-old teenager being shot on his way to an appointed place, which was for temporary his home in the evening hours, um, some uh, 12 months, 13 months ago. We want you to get involved in this broadcast by calling in, and our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to write it down. 
347-838-9852. To express how you are experiencing um, the last year as we got to the point of this trial. And one of the things I want to be clear, and I think people should be clear, and we should be careful, especially around children, that this is the trial of George Zimmerman. Trayvon Martin is not on trial. He is dead. There is no crime that he committed. Although one of the strategies of the defense seems to be to put Trayvon Martin on trial. And the American media has gone along with that proposition. Oh, we expect that the bloggers, the right-wing bloggers, the racist bloggers, and the white supremacist bloggers would go along with it. But we are not surprised in any case at the American media, and I, w- I want to talk about that uh, tonight. So our number is 347-838-9852. Another important part of this trial is how we are going to be challenged as a people to face yet again the duality of our citizenship. And by that... I mean how we experience it, one, as Americans, and two, as black Americans. And we experience those things very differently. And if you don't understand what I mean, you probably need to read um, The Souls of Black Folks by W.E.B. Du Bois. You need to read some Chancellor Williams. You need to read some Dr. Amos Wilson. You need to read some Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and Dr. Nathan Hare and Dr. Julia Hare. If you are not familiar or do not understand the duality of your citizenship. I know one of the things that I'm going to talk personally here has been... Uh, Sometimes I call it my stupefaction, how stupefied I am each time this kind of tragedy and crime occurs, whether it's the gunning down of Sean Bell, uh, the cold-blooded police murder of Oscar Grant, or the execution of Troy Davis, or the fact that Marissa Alexander continues to be a prisoner, serving a 20-year sentence for self-defense. And that brings us to George Zimmerman's trial. So our lines are open however you want to talk about this. We're we're not going to rant and rave. Uh, We do enough of that. What we need to do is analyze uh, 
what this is going to mean, especially for your children. I don't know if you caught our intro about this program, and I'm I'm certainly going to run it again as we wait for CP people. (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) Um, You would think at 10 o'clock at night, uh, we would have a better sense of the clock, but um, we are. My my grandson, in putting together this program, he asked a very poignant question, and I want you to hear that before we go, start going into the information. We're going to divide this broadcast up into providing information providing some insight into the jury selection and some of the issues. Have you take a look at, because these are real people. I mean, Trayvon Martin should be a movement, the, the, the murder of Trayvon Martin should be some kind of justice movement in our community. But we cannot remove ourselves from the fact that these are real people. Trayvon Martin was a son was a cousin, was a nephew, a grandson. And that has a lot of implications about how we respond to his murder, how we respond. I have, I, 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 I have to tell you that since last week when there have been evidentiary hearings in the court. I have been very anxious. I don't know about you, but my stomach has been kind of like in a a bunch. Uh, I've been having some anxiety about what's going to happen here. And I want you to feel free to talk about how you are experiencing, how your children are experiencing. And I'm hoping that many of you will allow your children to listen to this broadcast. Now, our producer, our summer producer, Miles G, he's calling himself Miles G as a producer, he wanted to participate in the broadcast. And I think that some of the heavy drill down issues that we need to deal with tonight were probably a little bit too heavy for him to take the responsibility to navigate and to direct. So maybe another time, maybe if he can pull together um, his um, basketball team and his league and some of some of his peers, because our children do need to talk about that. They all know about Trayvon Martin. They don't know so much about Oscar Grant. They don't know so much about Sean Bell. But you see, Trayvon was their buddy off the basketball court, off the football field, the clown in the school hallway. They truly are Trayvon Martin, and they know it. So we want to invite you to talk about those issues. The other is, 
our trust in the justice system. Uh, how apprehensive are we that this is going to go well? And if it doesn't go well, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to our community that we have our son gunned down in the dark and he gets no justice? When he gets no justice, we get no justice. So write down the number if you're listening. 347-838-9852, and this is Our Common Ground, and I appreciate you being with us. We're going to run that. Hi, this is Miles Graham. I am a producer for this edition of Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining this special edition of Our Common Ground. The George Zimmerman trial is the most important event of my lifetime to test the principles of justice in America. My friends and I will be watching to measure whether America is willing to protect black boys like me in America. Thank you again for being with us.
ongoing, fresh debates in the larger community, but ongoing debates about race relations and gun laws in America. Now, Zimmerman holds that he is Hispanic. Keep in mind that Jewish people who migrated from the Middle East went into Spain. And most of the Jews who now currently live in America who are Hispanic come from that area. Which is essentially Europe. Now, there was uh, an initial decision to pursue charges against Zimmerman, Zimmerman that led to the dismissal of the town's police chief and the appointment of special prosecutor um, uh, who accused the neighborhood watch volunteer George Zimmerman. You know, there have been there have been there has been so much that is trying to make this man out as having an official role. He had no official role. He was a neighborhood watch volunteer. So am I. Um, and it was clear in our community that he unjustly, without provocation, with no explanation, rationale, or legal standing, profiled and killed Trayvon Martin. So he is facing second-degree murder charges in, in, in Trayvon's death, and he has pleaded not guilty, and he is currently free on a $1 million bond. And that is where we are as we come into this trial. Let's hear about what happened on day one. This is ABC's news, and I'm deliberately using ABC, ABC because it's mainstream, and we need to know what the mainstream is saying, not what the so-called progressives are saying, the so-called they got it right are saying. But let's hear what America is hearing about this case trial of George Zimmerman, charged more than a year ago in the shooting death of Trayvon Martin. Jury selection begins today, and questions about race likely to play a big role in that process. Just a couple of minutes, some 500 jurors will begin marching into the building behind me. They'll start by filling out a questionnaire specifically designed for this trial, but more than questions about what they feel about race or guns, legal experts tell us what may matter most is how they look. This morning, George Zimmerman will be back in this Florida courtroom facing the potential jurors who could soon be asked to decide his fate. In just a few hours, prosecutors and defense attorneys will begin grilling the 500 potential jurors in an attempt to find out their feelings about self-defense and guns and race. You're going to see a judge that is on ultra alert for the defense trying to exclude jurors solely based on their race. Zimmerman, who is a white Hispanic, shot and killed Trayvon Martin, a black teenager, during a scuffle on February 26, 2012, 
Prosecutors have charged him with second-degree murder. Zimmerman says he was only defending himself and pleaded not guilty. Since that night, the case has polarized this small Florida community with protests and rallies seizing Sanford, even drawing the notice of the president. You know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Late Sunday, those protests returned. The whole system's guilty! But the tension here never left. For months, Zimmerman has appeared in court wearing a bulletproof vest. This morning, we're also learning Martin's mother says she has been the target of death threats. People have been threatening to actually talk about your kids and your family members, and specifically by name? Yes. Yes. Ben Crump is the family's attorney. You've called it the civil rights trial or civil rights case of the century. The whole world is watching to see how far America has advanced in the matters of equal justice. Does everybody in America get equal justice or is it just certain people? Which is one of the reasons the composition of this jury will be so important. Another reason we're going to see a lot of legal wrangling over what this jury looks like and whittling that jury pool down from 500 to 6 could take weeks. Robin. Matt, thank you. And that's why we brought back Dan Abrams to talk just about the jury selection. A lot of people think when it's a highly publicized case that it's hard to see the jury. It's not, not really the case. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be tough, but they'll find a jury. Uh, these don't have to be jurors who know nothing, have never heard of the case. These have to be jurors who haven't developed opinions about the case. And as a result, you're going to have people who likely don't know a lot about it, haven't been following it closely. You'll probably find some who haven't followed it almost at all. Um, and I think that once you get through a lot of people, and it's going to take a little longer because it's sure. a high-profile case, but you'll be able to find a jury in this case. Each side, what are they looking for? Well, look, Matt's right. Uh, the one issue that no one's going to want to admit that they're looking at is race. Both sides are going to be looking very closely at race. And this is going to be the reverse of what you typically see in a case, because here the defense is going to be the one who's going to typically want white, male, NRA-supporting uh, prospective jurors. Uh, the prosecution is going to want the opposite, which is unusual to see in a case like this. But they're going to be listening very, very closely to the answers, reading these questionnaires really closely to try and see nuances, little things in there about these jurors that they say, you know what? This tells me that this person is this or that. A lot of information has come out lately. Has that helped either side? Well, look, there's a lot has come out that has helped George Zimmerman uh, since the initial attention on this case, the injuries that he suffered, some questions uh, that have been raised. And so this is not an easy case for prosecutors. Not at all. And a lot of people will be watching yep. starting today. All right, Dan, thanks okay, very right. much. So that was a mainstream news report on day one uh, of the trial, and they did a lot of talking about jury selection, and I think that those of you who watch a lot of L Law and Order understand, or if you have paid attention to uh, other trials like the OJ, major trials like the OJ trial, like the Murray trial and the Michael Jackson case, you understand the importance of jury selection and what that process is. So let's take a look at what the Florida News was saying about the trial today in the second day. Jury selection continues at 9 this morning for George Zimmerman's second-degree murder trial. That's after only four would-be jurors were questioned in the courtroom on the first day. West 2 Stuart Moore is live at the Seminole County Courthouse right now. And Stuart, how many jurors do these attorneys need to select? 
Uh, they only need six people to actually sit on the jury, Jason, and then about four to five alternates who will also be in the courtroom during the proceedings. Yesterday, they did give out that questionnaire in the morning uh, to 500 people who actually entered the courtroom. They narrowed it down to a, a certain amount of number. Four of those people actually got to talk yesterday, and then today, the judges called back 20 more. 20 more potential jurors will take the stand to determine if they should be seated to serve for the George Zimmerman second-degree murder trial. On day one, 500 people filled out questionnaires during the morning, and court only had time to interview four prospective jurors Monday. All said they could be objective if they were chosen. Could you estimate how many times you may have heard or read or talked about the case? The judge has ordered that the potential jurors have their names and faces not broadcast by anyone, and for the remaining 20 that come today, they were not allowed to watch any coverage or talk about the selection process or post to social networks. Westview's legal analyst says the group they are choosing from has not been plugged into every aspect of the trial. We want is somebody that knows a little bit but doesn't know too much. We want somebody that's willing to be fair but hasn't based their opinion on anything other than that they're, they're going to try to be fair. As the day went on, Zimmerman... And back here live, George Zimmerman, uh, actually they had sent out a questionnaire that yesterday that the people were answering. And question number four is what the judge actually used to divide up the different groups of people to be questioned, whether or not to rule some people out altogether. We're not exactly sure what that question was, but we think that it had a lot to do with their pre-trial exposure to this case. This morning's hearings begin at 9 a.m. Reporting live from the Seminole County Courthouse, Stuart Moore, West 2 News. Now, what we do know is that Seminole County, Florida, uh, the African-American population is 16 percent. And we also do know that in order to be a juror, you must be a resident of Seminole County. Let's listen to some more information about jury selection in this trial. Jury selection continues at 9 this morning for George Zimmerman's second-degree murder trial. That's after only four would-be jurors were questioned in the courtroom on the first day. West 2, Stuart Moore is live at the Seminole County Courthouse right now. And Stuart, how many jurors do these attorneys need to select? Uh, they only need six people to actually sit on the jury, Jason, and then about four to five alternates who will also be in the courtroom during the proceedings. Yesterday, they did give out that questionnaire in the morning uh, to 500 people who actually entered the courtroom. They narrowed it down to a, a certain amount of number. Four of those people actually got to talk yesterday, and then today, the judges called back 20 more. 20 more potential jurors will take the stand to determine if they should be seated to serve for the George Zimmerman second-degree murder trial. On day one, 500 people filled out questionnaires during the morning, and court only had time to interview four prospective jurors Monday. All said they could be objective if they were chosen. Could you estimate how many times you may have heard or read or talked about the case? The judge has ordered that the potential jurors have their names and faces not broadcast by anyone, and for the remaining 20 that come today, they were not allowed to watch any coverage or talk about the selection process or post to social networks. Westview's legal analyst says the group they are choosing from has not been plugged into every aspect of the trial. We want is somebody that knows a little bit but doesn't know too much. We want somebody that's willing to be fair but hasn't based their opinion on anything other than that they're, they're going to try to be fair. As the day went on, Zimmerman... And back here live, George Zimmerman, uh, actually they had sent out a questionnaire that yesterday that the people were answering. And question number four is what the judge actually used to divide up the different groups of people to be questioned, whether or not to rule some people out altogether. We're not exactly sure what that question was, but we think that it had a lot.
Now, the the court has not indicated and has not provided the questionnaire to the press. It is not normal that it would do that. But it seems that this question number four is certainly the question that's going to divide the wheat from the chafe in terms of from the shaft in terms of this particular jury. But we still worry about this whole principle that is touted in American jurisprudence that every person charged in a crime is supposed to have available to them a jury of their peers. Now, that brings in the issue of race and Zimmerman's claim about being a minority. Uh, yesterday, at, before the trial opened, the families of uh, both Zimmerman, Zimmerman's brother, and the family of Trayvon Martin held a press conference, which I found uh, interesting, and I'm going to provide to you um, a, a press conference on uh, some blurbs from the press conference from the families. We are relieved that the start of the trial is here with the jury selection as we uh, seek justice for our son, Trayvon, and we also seek uh, a fair and impartial trial. Um, we ask that the community continue to stay peaceful as we place our faith in the justice system, and we ask that the community do the same. We ask that um, our families and friends continue to pray for us, continue to keep us safe in, in God's arms. We ask that you continue to pray for Trayvon and our family. Thank you. I can tell you as a family, we're very confident in the outcome of the case, and we're very confident um, that the state will not be able to meet its burden. And it's a twofold burden here in Florida. Not only do they have to prove that this was a murder, as they allege, they also have to prove simultaneously that it could not have been self-defense. So we're confident uh, the state won't meet its burden, and that kind of backs into our confidence in the legal team. I think it's important that jurors get to know that George is a real person. Uh, he's not just whatever images people flash across the screen or whatever narrative people write about. Um, he's a sensitive person. He's generous. Uh, he's uh, very likable if you actually get to meet him. And uh, that's what families had to say as the trial unfolded on yesterday and began the jury selection. This is our Common Ground, a special edition, uh, to talk about the quality of justice for Trayvon Martin in the George Zimmerman trial. I'm Janice Graham, and our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to share your thoughts on this matter. 678, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. 678, you're on the air. Six seven eight. Thank you. Yeah, everything was great on Well, I guess six seven eight doesn't have it all together. One of the interesting things that I thought 
uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, who is the host of Politics Nation and um, a radio show on Sirius Radio, uh, did a, 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 a pretty comprehensive roundtable on uh, the beginning of this trial. And I'd like to share that with you. Tonight's lead, the trial begins one year, three months, and 15 days after killing Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman is on trial for second-degree murder. Mr. Zimmerman has pleaded not guilty and claims he shot Trayvon Martin in self-defense. Today marks a dramatic new phase in a case that drew national attention, one that's a long way away from that cold, rainy night in Florida when Trayvon Martin was killed. Late this afternoon, lawyers for both sides began questioning potential jurors. These potential jurors are not being shown on TV in order to protect their identity. Most of the questions focused on what they knew about the case from the media. Have you read anything about this in the newspaper? How about on the Internet? Do you ever surf the Internet? In terms of when you heard it on, or saw it on TV, was it a local broadcast or was it a national broadcast, do you recall? I'd like you to tell me one or two other things you've heard about this. If you're not watching Channel 9, are there any national channels that you watch? I think you said that you watch CSI-type shows on occasion. Yeah. Okay. Um, any idea how close you consider those to reality? Mr. Zimmerman's wife and brother were both in the courtroom today. During the break in the action, his brother talked about his hopes for the jury. One of the problems in this situation was that there was a big vacuum surrounding who George Zimmerman was. And so this mythological monster evolved that people had nothing to contrast with. I think it's important that jurors get to know that George is a real person. Earlier, Trayvon Martin's parents also gathered in court and gave a statement to the media. We are relieved that the start of the trial is here with the jury selection as we uh, seek justice for our son, Trayvon, and we also seek uh, a fair and impartial trial. Um, we ask that the community continue to stay peaceful as we place our faith in the justice system, and we ask that the community do the same. We ask that um, our families and friends continue to pray for us, continue to keep us safe and in God's arms. We ask that you continue to pray for Trayvon and our family. Thank you. A fair and impartial trial. That's all anyone has ever wanted in this case. Today marks a new turn in a long road toward justice. Joining me now is former prosecutor Frank Jenkins, former U.S. Attorney Kendall Coffey, now MSNBC legal analyst, and Dr. Marshall Hennington, a nationally recognized trial and jury consultant. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Faith, uh, let me start with you. How important is jury selection, and can a trial be won or lost here before attorneys even make their opening statements? 
In this case, I think both sides realize jury selection is all important. This is not an easy case for the state. There's not a lot of direct evidence. You don't have a, a bunch of eyewitnesses lined up to take the witness stand. They know they're facing very challenging circumstances here. So they have to vet these jurors. It's okay that jurors already know something about the case, but based on what they know, have they already come to a conclusion? Right. That's why you're hearing them repeatedly ask questions about what they've heard and how and have they developed an opinion based on what they've heard so far. Now, Dr. Uh, Coffey, uh, let me ask you your, your view of the same question. Is this case a case where the jury selection becomes the deciding factor even before the opening statements? It could very easily be because of attitudes that are going to be so determinative. One of them is going to be attitude about guns. People who think that it's okay for private citizens to go around with guns and to use them if they feel they have to, people that are basically gun owners uh, are going to be much better jurors for the defense. People, on the other hand, who just aren't comfortable with the idea of guns and violence and think that something's got to be done about it, those are going to be the best jurors for the prosecution. Now, Dr. Hennington, uh, you, you deal with jury analysis. Uh, I noticed that Don West, who's one of the lawyers for Mr. Zimmerman, uh, was asking potential juror B-29 about how Trayvon's death affected her as a mother. Listen to this. Did it affect you in any particular way because you're a mother yourself? You have uh, children um, um, around the same age of Trayvon. As any mother, it would affect the your child. Mm -hmm. Was it in a car accident or, or gang violence? Of course, it affects any mother. Now, uh, before you answer, I just want uh, viewers to understand the reason we're showing Zimmerman is we do not they do not put cameras on potential jurors for, to protect their privacy and to protect them. So they shoot the defendant or, or, or the uh, lawyers in the courtroom. But go ahead, uh, uh, Dr. Hennington. What, what does this kind of questioning of a potential juror mean? Well, basically they want to tap into how jurors as a whole on that panel feel about young men that have been victimized uh, and also, do they have they formed any opinions with respect to uh, Mr. Zimmerman's guilt? The fact of the matter is, is that a young man lost his life. It was mentioned by Mr. Coffey earlier that this trial is about uh, guns, and you know, should there be a ban placed on guns, a more stricter bans or not? But this trial is about race, and jury selection is the most important aspect of this particular trial. It's absolutely crucial to get the right jurors on this trial that can be fair and impartial. That's going to be extremely difficult. Both sides have an uphill battle. You know, the prosecutors uh, have to prove their case uh, to these jurors that it was Mr. Zimmerman who was the aggressor. It was Mr. Zimmerman who did not pay attention to the 911 calls that came in. When that woman that, uh, that was on the other side of the 911 calls, the operator mentioned uh, specifically to him to not follow Mr. Martin, to stay exactly where you are until help arrives. He didn't follow the orders according to the 911 tape. So that's going to be a, an uphill battle for the defense to really uh, be able to defend uh, Mr. Zimmerman's actions. Now, Faith, uh, he mentioned race. When you look at the demographics at uh, Seminole County, where the trial is, where Sanford, Florida is, it's 66% white, 18% Latino, 12% African American. And it skews toward a conservative uh, kind of area politically uh, in uh, 
last year's election, 53% of the county voted for Mitt Romney. Uh, 46% of that county voted for President Obama. Doesn't say how the jury will be, but that's the county demographics. What can you learn from this, and what did you learn today, if anything, from the beginning of the, of the jury selection? It would be foolish to say that the racial makeup of this jury is completely irrelevant. Even if the attorneys don't address it that way, they know that that's going to be a part of this, and only 11% of that county is African American. So what you can gather from that is you're not going to have a racial imbalance in favor of an African American jury here. But at the same time, the lawyers know that they cannot strike jurors based on race, no matter what their race is. The Supreme Court already decided that in Batson versus Kentucky in 1986. You can't do that. But it's obviously going to be a part of this case because I think we're going to hear down the line in opening statements moving forward that there was an element of profiling here. So when you're talking about what kinds of jurors each side wants, the state wants jurors who are going to be perhaps sympathetic to that and understand what it means. Perhaps they have experienced it. And obviously the defense is going to want to stay completely away from that as much as they can. Now, when uh, you hear all of this, uh, Attorney Coffey, you're a former prosecutor, you've prosecuted cases, you've got to deal with the uh, social elements here of whether there was profiling and, uh, frankly, whether the police operated uh, wrongly. Because when some of us that got involved, we were more concerned with the police not proceeding to court and making the decision than we were about uh, what, what attitudes the uh, person might have had that did the shooting because we did not know. How do you navigate through all of that and still stay close to what you need to convince a jury of the crime that has been charged of murder too? Well, I don't think the prosecution is going to try to uh, do anything but focus on their best evidence. They certainly want to portray Zimmerman as a wannabe cop. If they can, they want to present him as a, as a would-be vigilante, someone who was profiled. They don't have to mention race, but the idea is that Zimmerman saw a particular kind of a young man and thought he needed to pursue him and do something about it, even though the 911 dispatcher told him to stay away. On the other hand, there's still a reasonable doubt that's got to be overcome. And so you're going to see the prosecution, along with presenting that narrative, focus on a couple critical points of evidence. One of them hasn't been ruled upon, Reverend, and that's the question of whether the expert testimony on voice recognition about that 911 tape is going to be allowed. That is one of the big decisions that's yet to be made that could shape the course of this trial. Now, the, another part of this uh, whole jury selection, uh, uh, Dr. Hen Hennington, is uh, when you look at how some of the jurors have known or may have known or may have heard about this case. For example, when you hear the questioning with juror B30 talking about what his girlfriend told him about the case, listen to this. My girlfriend had her opinion about it. And she thinks that, uh, she told me she thought that, that Mr. Zimmerman should have stayed in his car and that could have alleviated the whole thing. Your, your, uh, how, how pertinent is getting secondhand opinions going to be in jury selection? And how do you deal with this as you uh, go through this process of jury selection? Well, that's a great question, you know, Reverend Sharpton. The fact of the matter is that everyone's heard about this case, okay? Everyone's formed a particular opinion about this case. And for any individual to say that his girlfriend told him some information about the case, but yet, of course, you know, I am formed an opinion, is absolutely absurd. The fact of the matter is that everyone has a particular bias, either uh, in support of Mr. Zimmerman or against Mr. Zimmerman. 
Um, but the fact is that what the, the attorneys are going to have to do is really dig deep to find out if there are biases that will impact their side of the case. Neither side has a slam dunk case. You know, both sides have problems with their case. Um, this case has gotten international exposure, all right, and unless you're living under a rock, you've heard something about this case, you formed some particular opinions about this case, and you have certain biases with respect to this case as well. So that's the challenge of each side. The jury questionnaire is going to be extremely important for them to get uh, the most key pertinent information from these jurors that they would not be able to ask in an open court setting. And a lot of times you can use that questionnaire to really gather some uh, yeah. compelling information so that uh, you can build your case based on some of the themes that come out during the questionnaire that they review. Yeah, you know, Faith, uh, Attorney Coffey raised a point I want to close this segment with. He said there's still no decision on whether or not they're going to allow the voice experts and the tape in of the screaming that three experts say was Trayvon Martin screaming for help. How important do you feel that would be to this case? It's very important because it goes to the emotional aspect of the case, which is what the state wants. And that's why they're looking for parents and mothers to be on this jury, because at the end of the day, you have a 17-year-old with no gun walking home with snacks who was killed because somebody, someone thought he looked suspicious. Faith Jenkins, Kendall Coffey, and Dr. Marshall Hennington, thank you all for your time tonight. And thank with you. full disclosure, uh, in civil court, George Zimmerman has sued NBC Universal for defamation, and the company has strongly denied his allegations. And that is uh, a really comprehensive recap of, of this trial, and I thank uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, Politics Nation, uh, for making it available. Now, it's really interesting, and I'd like to hear your thoughts about it, that there is a question as to whether or not the 911 call is going to be entered or allowed to be entered in as evidence and expert uh, testimony an examination about it. I don't know if you find that interesting. I find that extremely interesting. The other that we have not heard about is that, I don't know how many of you have lived in a gated community, but I've lived in a gated community. And when someone comes to the gate and they call, uh, you have a way in in some communities, you have a way uh, in in the one that I lived in in Florida, you have a way of you press a button, it opens the gate and allows your visitor to come in. This is something that I learned on yesterday that I had not heard of in any of the discussion around this case, and that is that the girl fiancé of Trayvon Martin's father received the call from Trayvon at the gate. She pressed the button. She she didn't press the button. The call came from a security guard who was stationed and on duty at the entrance of the development who called her to ask permission to allow him into the property. Any of you all heard, heard about this? She gave permission a security officer, which who was an employee, contract employee of the development, 
allowed Trayvon to enter into the property. Now, my question comes to, if George Zimmerman is in the neighborhood volunteer group, he would have to know that a security guard was on duty. Would not it have made sense to go to this, if you're on the neighborhood watch, you know all the security people, would not it have made sense for him, or would it not be natural for him to go to the guard gate at the entrance of the development and ask the question, did you just see a young boy in a hoodie come in? I'm just, I'm just asking. And this, 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 in this whole notion, the questionable notion before the court of whether or not voice analysis, expert analysis, is going to be allowed on the 911 tape is just ludicrous. The other is that, excuse me, I have to give credit to Trayvon Martin's mother and father for their quiet, uh, kind of serene approach to all of this, especially if you look at over the last three weeks or even more than a month, the kind of character assassination that their dead son has been subjected to. And as we mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, these are reflections on our own children. How are they absorbing this? How are you making your explanations and working with your teenage children to get them to understand this? We're going to listen to the 911 tape, but I do want to mention that also there is another very important trial going on in the city of Detroit, and that is the trial against the police officer in the murder of seven-year-old Ayanna Stanley Jones. Um, According to the reports, a half-dozen masked officers of the special response team in Detroit's version of SWAT, I suppose, were at the door, guns drawn, in tow was a filming crew of the episode of the first 48 hours or something, a true crime, a reality crime uh, program. And the SWAT team tried the steel door to the building. It was unlocked. They threw a bang, flashbang grenade through the window of the lower unit and kicked open the wooden door which was also unlocked. And in the process of doing this and looking for um, a wanted person, um, 
they entered the apartment and murdered the seven-year-old child, and her name was Ayanna Stanley Jones. So here, here is compounded on the Trayvon Martin is, uh, uh, issue, the murder of a seven-year-old. What are we telling our children? How are we explaining? And if the SWAT team in Detroit is able to prevail in that trial, and George Zimmerman is able to prevail in this trial, I ask the question, who are we? What does justice mean to us? And why is it that the court system that so many of us seem to think works is so broken when it comes to us? You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. We're going to listen to the 911 call. Go on break, and when we come back, we'll take your calls at 347-838-9852. Do you need police, fire, medical? Um, maybe both. I'm not sure. There's just someone screaming outside. Okay, what's the address that they're near? Okay. And is it a male or female? It sounds like a male. And you don't know why? I don't know why. I think they're yelling help, but I don't know. Just send someone quick. Say, stop. Does he look hurt? I can't see him. I don't want to go out there. I don't know what's going on. So they're sending. So you think he's yelling help? Yes. All right. What is your <laughs> just there's gunshots? You just heard gunshots? Yes. How many? This one. Jimmy, get down! No, come here. Is he no hey, longer yelling? I wouldn't, I don't know. Jeremy, get in here now. Jeremy, get up here. All right, is he right outside? Yeah, pretty much out the back, yeah. Is he in front of it or behind that address? He's behind my house. Okay. Just stay away from the windows. I don't hear him yelling anymore. Do you hear anything? No, I don't because I'm hiding upstairs. There's a, there was a gunshot right outside our house. I mean, you've obviously sent someone already, right? Yes, it's in dispatch. What's your name and phone number? 
My name is... My phone number is... How do you spell your last name? Okay. All right, do you hear any vehicles leaving or anyone else? Do you hear anything right There's now? There's people yelling out there, but I don't want to go down there, so... Okay, multiple people are yelling now? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we do have officers on the way. Just call us back if you do hear or see anything else suspicious, like any vehicles leaving or anything like that, okay? Okay. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. to the right and um, the the right wing extremists have now become mainstream and in many ways provides a litmus test for what some think are cultural and moral integrity in the country at this time. Uh, the whole country has drifted to the right. Uh, if you don't believe it, um, anybody who actually thinks or calls uh, a President Barack Obama uh, a liberal is insane. Barack Obama is a moderate, uh, a center-right, uh, right-wing Democrat. Uh, when you look at his approach... The most powerful force on the earth. The soul of fire. The soul of fire. Spirit matter. Spirit matter. This is soul of fire. Truth Works Network, Wednesday, 10 p.m. There was a cultural revolution taking place within the black community in terms of its relationship to white America. I mean, I mean, I, I, think, that, I think that's a forerunner of the civil rights movement. I think that's an aftermath of the civil rights movement. Yeah, but, but I'm I, saying, but, but, Basil, but, 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 but Basil, but that's yeah. a very, listen, Basil, but that's too general a statement. Why, why you have to say, exactly, I mean, what, 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 how, did, how did this cultural revolution express itself? But you just mentioned, you just mentioned um, previously, when you're talking about music, how the impact of Motown really represented a new assertiveness on, on I didn't say it was a new assertiveness. I, I, no, I said it was a, represented that particular generation, but it was no more assertive than bebop had been in the 40s. It was no more assertive but the thing is that Motown coincided with a civil rights movement that brought about a cultural revolution. Not just a civil rights movement. Commentaries on the Times Radio with Central Disconnected and Dr. Basil Wilson. Mondays, 10 p.m. Serious Talk Radio. Commentaries on the Times Radio. Praising saints. Celebrating heroes. Unmasking charlatans. Defending the defenseless. And chastising scoundrels. They built internet and Dr. Basil Monday, 10 p.m., Cerebral Intensive Talk Radio. Serious Talk Radio, if you dare, at TruthWorks Network. Join all of our TruthWorks Commentaries on the Times Radio with Claybell Benjamin and Dr. Basil Wilson. Spirit Matters Talk Radio. 
Hotel of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson, The Alpha Show, with Alpha, your host, straight out of Chicago. Just a damn talk radio. Advanced Urban Progressive Talk Radio at TruthWorks Network. Serious talk for serious times. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. This is Our Common Ground. Broadcasting bold, brave, and black. You'd better know. His hair was pretty short, 
So you could see if there had been evidence of blood or injury to his head. And as he entered or exited a police vehicle and entered the police department, we did not see any injury. But two days later, the American media was filled with pictures of George Zimmerman's broken nose, bloody nose, and blood spewing into his face from some injuries. And then comes the doctor's note. It, it, my response to the doctor's note was this. It's like when an employee has an attendance problem and all of a sudden after a year and a half, they come in with a doctor's note. Or when someone has decided that they want to have a disability, when it becomes an issue of their employment, they show up with the doctor's note. Our number is 347-838-9852, and our phone lines are absolutely open for your comments, your impressions, your fear, and your analysis of the information that you we have before us. 678, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. 678, do you know your area code? Okay. So our phones are open. I do want to share with you uh, one of my favorite news analysts and uh, TV uh, and written pundits, Joy Reid, what she had to say about the, the, this, uh, this case as it opened on yesterday. She uh, was a guest contributor. Well, she was an MSNBC contributor on the, the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell last night. We are relieved that the start of the trial is here with the jury selection as we uh, seek justice for our son, Trayvon, and we also seek uh, a fair and impartial trial. That was Tracy Martin, Trayvon Martin's father, this morning on day one of George Zimmerman's murder trial. Today, the prosecution and the defense asked 100 potential jurors to fill out a questionnaire and then had one-on-one interviews with only four of the potential jurors. They will eventually impanel a jury of six plus four alternates. George Zimmerman is charged with second-degree murder for the killing of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin in February of 2012. George Zimmerman says that he killed Trayvon Martin in self-defense. George Zimmerman has sued NBC Universal, the parent company of this network, for defamation. The company has strongly denied his allegations. Joining me now, MSNBC's Joy Reid. Joy, you were there in Florida today on the uh, first day of the trial. Uh, Is this case going to take a couple of years? Uh, We we had interviews with four jurors today. Did any of those four actually get impaneled as a juror? 
Uh, well, we're not quite there yet, Lawrence. It, you know, there is a 500-member jury pool, so it could take a while. But, you know, I think that the, the prosecution and the defense obviously know what they're looking for or what they're looking to exclude, and they do have a certain number of automatic challenges, like people they think are sort of obviously biased in the case. Uh, and so you're starting to see kind of what they're looking for in these questions, um, questioning somebody who's a parent that has children about the same age as Trayvon Martin, um, asking people, what is your source of news? which is an interesting question because I had wondered whether or not sort of looking at where you get your news, which cable network, for instance, because it tells you something about ideology, and this case has become ideological. So each of them is sort of playing a chess game to try to get just the right jury for their case. Let's take a look at uh, the George Zimmerman's lawyer uh, asking one of the jurors uh, questions to show you the kind of thing that gets developed in this, que this question and answer. Anything else that, that you've talked about with other people about this case in the last couple of weeks? No, not really. Um, you should never ever say not really to a lawyer. Yeah, I know. Um, my, my girlfriend had her opinion about it. And she thinks that, uh, she told me she thought that, that Mr. Zimmerman should have stayed in his car and that could have alleviated the whole thing. So, Joy, there's a juror that the prosecution wants and the defense doesn't. <laughs> Right. And the thing is, is that, of course, uh, you know, Mark O'Mara, the, the, the lawyer for George Zimmerman, has done a lot to put a lot into the bloodstream out there, a lot of information that he's put out on the defense website. Um, so it's just interesting to sort of see him then querying people as to what they know about the case. Um, and you know what? Look, the, the reality is, Lawrence, there are very few people, especially in Seminole County, who don't know a lot about this case. This case has been heavily covered, particularly people in Sanford, um, which is the county seat for Seminole County. So they're trying to find this combination of people who've heard about the case but haven't formed an opinion. And this is uh, that the person that you just looked at was somebody who, well, their girlfriend formed an opinion. So what does that say about them? It's all very complicated. And now the defense has actually hired a jury selection expert uh, to even add to the chess moves. Uh, Joy, in my experience, girlfriends are very influential on uh, <laughs> men's opinions. Think, oh, okay, <laughs> just uh, yeah, and I think both sides in that courtroom know that today. Joy Reed, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Lawrence. Chris Hayes is up next. Well, I think that uh, Joy really put it into some perspective. Um, I really want to know as this trial, as this killing goes to trial, if you really believe that the many stories that George Zimmerman has told up until uh, he dropped his stand your ground defense, I, I really want to know whether or not his stories add up to you. Um, when he was charged in April 2012, a story that sparked a real firestorm of debate over racial tensions, law enforcement, and gun regulations uh, mostly faded from the headlines. And now with the trial beginning, it returns, and the case really hinges on some very complex and controversial questions. One of them is, does Zimmerman's 
story add up? Uh, a, a, a written statement and police video released last June in which Zimmerman reenacts uh, the altercation for investigators at the scene raised questions about Zimmerman's story in, in, in more ways than one. He seemed to suffer from some kind of memory loss that uh, that night regarding a street in his neighborhood of many years, and his description of the confrontation to me seemed not to jibe with prior written statements that he'd given the police that had been released. Then there is the conflicting video evidence. Uh, I, I do want to, ca- I, I have been very cautious about trying Zimmerman in the court of public opinion. But videos emerged in the media with different views, as I mentioned earlier, of the alleged injury to Zimmerman's head the night of the killing. And um, that's one question. The other question is Zimmerman's 911 obsession. Um, He maintains that racial bias played no part in his pursuit of Trayvon Martin that night. But police call logs surfaced last March suggesting that Zimmerman was obsessed with suburban law and order minutiae and black men stalking the neighborhood. Uh, Police records show that Zimmerman had called 911 a total of 46 times between 2004 and the day he shot Trayvon Martin. Uh, Even though the investigative team that was sent from the federal government concluded through local interviews that Zimmerman was not a racist. Something was going on. What do you think it was? Our number is 347-838-9852. And I do want to emphasize that this is Trayvon Martin was a real person. He wasn't some icon, some dead teen icon, a real person with a real family. And I think his mother and father made a great deal of public affairs mistakes very early on, but um, we understand that. The other thing I wanted to ask you, what did you think about uh, leading up to to all of this? Uh, President Barack Obama's statement uh, in his press comment, about this case that if I had a son he'd look like Trayvon and that's just how big this case had become um, and he he talked about soul searching um, and he also talked about the seriousness that the case deserved and getting to the bottom of exactly what happened well, the feds went into Sanford and they got out of there real fast. 
Our number, 347-838-9852. Tomorrow night we're going to have Dr. Raymond Winbush joining us to talk about um, the whole image um, implication, cultural implication for young black boys uh, from this case. And we hope you all enjoy uh, join us at the same time, 10 p.m. Uh, special edition with Dr. Raymond Wimbush, who is the director of the Institute for Urban Research at Morgan State University, and he has been at our common ground on a number of times. Now, there's something else that we don't we're not hearing a lot about, but it's certainly happening. Um, uh, and has been an under, undercurrent in this case, and that is the right-wing reaction. And there certainly was no shortage of outrage from conservative over President Obama's comment, uh, but neo-Nazis showed up in Sanford to protect white citizens in the area who are concerned for their safety. Then there has been the recent release of alleged photographs of Trayvon Martin from, I don't know where they're getting these photographs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, smoking marijuana. Um, and the, these have been released by the defense as a way of putting Trayvon Martin in the center of this trial as a perpetrator. I don't know what your response is to that. And then there was, um, you know, the the regulars, the the Drudge report where there was no limit to the kinds of photographs which were photoshopped uh, marking a new low for the Drudge Report of a 17-year-old um, a victim. Um, and then there are the entrepreneurs who were looked to make money by selling gun targets online that depicted um, Trayvon Martin. And um, Geraldo Rivera's infamously blamed Martin's death on his hoodie. Um, So there there is a lot of background going on in this case. And I don't know how, how many of you are experiencing stress about all of this starting. If you are, talk to us about it, 347-838-9852. But let's take a listen to Trayvon's mom on The View. Uh, Zimmerman's defense team, they recently released uh, alleged uh, texts that Trayvon, that they said Trayvon Martin had, and they released it to the public. Now, what do you think about this, them releasing this? Sure, I think it was a desperate attempt to taint and influence the jury pool. The also photos, I think, that they released as well. Yeah, stuff that the judge ruled was irrelevant, 
inadmissible and had nothing to do with George Zimmerman's guilt or innocence. It really was about trying to influence the jury pool. Everybody asks, is this a civil rights case? And I always try to be consistent and say, the state of Florida versus George Zimmerman is a criminal case. But the entire matter of the tragic killing of Trayvon Martin is certainly a civil rights case because the night Stanford police decided when he was shot not to arrest the killer of an unarmed teenager and let him go sleep in his bed. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, brown, or yellow. You can't kill unarmed teenagers and not be arrested and sleep in your own bed. 2.2 million people signed a petition saying that he should be arrested, that he should face the evidence against him. And Sabrina and Tracy and their whole family have only asked for simple justice. They want it to be fair. They want it to be transparent, and they want the jury to base their verdict on the evidence, and that's what we're hoping will happen in this trial. Well, so I'm assuming that Mr. Zimmerman's apology to the family and the court, you, you're not buying it. Well, I know he made that apology mm -hmm. uh, at the bond hearing yeah. when he was trying to get out of jail, so we think it was very self-serving. You know, uh, I have to read this. Uh, George Zimmerman's defense team, they sent us a statement, which I have to read. It says, for more than a year, Mr. Crump and Sabrina Fulton have campaigned against George Zimmerman and have demanded that he face a jury. Jury selection for that trial begins next week, and we hope that all involved remember that our justice system works in large part because of our faith in it. We pray that justice will be found by all in any verdict rendered by an impartial jury at the end of a fair trial. Sabrina and Tracy have always asked that everybody remain uh, open-minded and be fair. They said that they want everybody to be peaceful yeah. and accept the rule of law. If they could do it, then everybody should do it. But this is really every parent's worst nightmare. When you really think about it, a neighborhood watch volunteer packing a nine millimeter gun on prescription medication, going around the neighborhood deciding who should and shouldn't be in the neighborhood. God help you if that's your teenager he confronts if they don't answer his questions the right way. You set up the Trayvon Martin Foundation. What is that? Instead of being negative about it, instead of just staying home and crying, which my mind is telling me to do, just, just cry it out. You know, um, you lost your son. Um, just stay home. Don't do anything. Um, the other side of me says that there are a lot of families that's hurting. And that's, why, that's the purpose for us creating the Trayvon Martin Foundation. We want to help someone else. We want to help other families that are victim, victims of senseless gun violence. And we are working on changing the stand your ground law because Excellent. we just feel like it's just unfair and it does not work to help us out in any way. Um, another thing that we're trying to do is we have a call um, that we've started, and that call will be once a month. You can go on our website if you are hurting family, if you have a family or you know of a family that um, is victim of senseless gun violence. And what we do is we do a support group where you'll have somebody just to help you out that's, that's going through the same things that you're going through. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much, yeah. Ben. Thank you for being here. Our hearts yeah. are with you. Thank you. And so here's a family uh, that... We really 
have have witnessed uh going through this unspeakable unspeakable um experience our phone lines are open um and um I don't want to have my voice be the only voice uh, that talks about what this all means in our community. This is a place for us to be able to um, really express uh, what all of this means Uh, because if we don't understand how this is related to stop and frisk. If we don't understand how this is related to so many of the infringes on our freedom and our entitlement to justice, then we are missing the point, and we're always going to miss the point. And so what does that tell us? We're going to go to 773, and I respect you. Thank you for your call. Oh, good evening, Janice, and how are you this evening? Alpha, how are you? I'm okay. I've been listening and listening and listening. Now, let me say this. This is another scenario by which they have framed the narrative. They have created doubts and put Trayvon on trial. The obvious bigotry and racism that's involved, the silence of many of the leaders who simply won't call the spade a spade. When you have the level of open hostility to a victim, an unarmed victim, you have a network that is ramping up the blame the victim and the big. When you have a defense counsel that is releasing inadmissible evidence to taint the jury pool, when you have no one stepping up and calling it flat out what it is, blatant, bigoted racism. Mm -hmm. They are afraid to speak those words for they fear the pushback, and the pushback will be swift, it'll be heavy, it'll be ugly. But if one side is saying he deserved it, he deserved it, he deserved it, and the other side is standing around going, we just want a fair trial. The <laughs> I, knew, I pool, knew you were going to hang on to that one. Jury, yeah, pool, I get you. jury pool is more than tainted. The jury pool is bigoted. from Just from that region of the state, and for there to be no venue change or nothing to that effect, if you think they're going to convict this man, and I was happy to see that, it was six jurors rather than 12. But one of those six will hang this jury and keep this in in a circular firing squad 
until that prosecutor says, no more, we can't get a conviction. We tried him, we gave you everything. If you give this family, the Martin family, everything they've asked for, what will they have to say when nothing happens? When a hung jury allows this man to walk and a willing prosecutor turns a, a wink and a nod, the stage is set. It's not just America on trial. It's every single individual. You know, Janice, what Zimmerman and his family has done, they've hired a public relation firm, but the victim's family and lawyer. Now, this uh, family lawyer, he may be a decent lawyer, but he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. For there to be no pushback on this public relation campaign and this campaign of demonization and vilification of Trayvon Martin, there is something wrong. They need to be calling this defense attorney, uh, Mark O'Mara, a bigot, a racist, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just not happening. So I don't. Well, you're going to. It's really interesting that you say that, Alpha, because um, I cannot understand why the prosecution is not pushing the strategy that's been employed by this defense team over the last month or so in vilifying. I mean, somebody that somebody ought to be looking at that uh, in terms of its import and impact in tainting uh, the jury pool. Oh, they're looking at it. And that's all they're doing. <laughs> And, and nobody doing. Yeah. nobody's saying a word. You got them on Fox. Did you hear the idiot, the complete rectum hole on Fox that says he could have used the broken bottle of tea as a weapon? First of all, it was a can of light aluminum. <laughs> so when you get to the bowels where a Fox News is... That, and we know about Fox News, but they'll continue to do it because no one will confront them with what is reality. So I just hope that people. Well, you know, there there are two aspects. There 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 are two aspects uh, on the spectrum here. Uh, while we've been on the air, I I get an email from um, someone who says, who writes to me and says, young black men are gunned down every day in the black community, yet the focus is on this kid who was shot in a quote-unquote integrated community. Not shocking, a kid most older black people wouldn't even want to give a job to get a shot by a white, by a white man, and the blacks make this a national news because they really on care about themselves wanting to be to integrate and no such much the life of young black men. How do I know I'm a young black man and I look in most and I look in most black communities there are no jobs, no decent schools for even the blacks who have done the right thing. Yet stories like this are blown up. And then on the other spectrum, I hear people who uh are having responsible discourse about this but don't uh, find the time 
to get together with other black people to talk about it. Well, Dennis, that's because we are we are negligent. We are we are raging on one end of the spectrum and negligent on the other end. And my Maybe question, Alpha, is where is the center for us as black people? Uh, I read a report today that said that since Friday in your city, and I see that um, <clears throat> Chicago Mel is also in the chat room, in your city, 11 black people were murdered. Or they were shot. I don't think they were murdered. Whatever. But if we believe it, I know one young, lady, one young lady died, I know that. Uh, but, you know, to draw this equivalent between but it's, it's, it's almost like a cycle in Chicago. Listen, the cycle in Chicago is nothing that, there's nothing new. It's a con- continuation of what are the gang wars here. You've got young black people fighting over who's going to sell drugs here and who did, who does this. You have a, when you talk about a gun culture, this is an illegal gun culture because 90% of these shootings are done with illegal weapons. And when Well, my question about George Zimmerman in all of this is that he had been, um, Convicted of a charge with a felony, and why wasn't his gun permit um, uh, withdrawn well, during the course of all of this? Well, because he's there in Florida, and there's a way to get around that with pleading to a lesser charge and it not being a felony, and that's what he did. He pleaded to a lesser charge. It was not a felony. So, and, I mean, the bigger question is the rules of the neighborhood watches, you don't, you're not armed. But yet he was armed. Don't follow him. We don't need you to do that. Yeah, okay. He acknowledged it and did it anyway. But, but Alpha, comment for a minute about my explanation about a security guard was on was on duty at the entrance to the development. Hell, it was raining out there. I ain't going out there in the rain. I'm a nickel down security guard. No, but I'm that's saying... The bottom that's, line. that's basically the bottom line. I'm not going out there, but we're going to follow... I'm going to follow this kid. And when I confront him, if I don't get the right... I'm going to provoke... I'm going to antagonize. I'm going to push the envelope and become threatening, emboldened, the whole nine yards. And then I'm going to shoot him and kill him. Now, first you want to say you're standing your ground. Then you're not, you you know, these are the types of PR messages that should have been sent out, that uh, George Zimmerman lied about his bail, his wife lied, that it was stand your ground. Now he don't want nothing to do with stand your ground. And it goes on and on and on. When I speak about messaging, when I speak about getting winning the war of perception, they won the war of perception. 
the bigots have already were already predisposed to acquitting this man, and they will acquit this man. I mean, it, it's going to take a great deal to convict this man of second-degree murder in the environment, in the atmosphere that this trial is being held in. You may as well be in Simi Valley. You may have a you you may have had you may even have to have a, a videotape of the shooting, and they would still acquit this man. So you this believe is, that they're going to acquit him? I believe they're going to acquit him. I believe that they will hang the jury. One of these jurors will hang the jury. I don't think that the judge has done due diligence in protecting the jury pool. I don't think the prosecutor has done any due diligence in getting a change of venue since the poisoning of the jury pool was the goal of the defense. Why are you why are you uh sending out pictures of a gun that he had and a picture of a gun he had in his phone? Why are you running why are you running up the flagpole that the lie that he was somehow uh, involved in videotaping street fights? You know, it gets to a point where you just throw your hands up and say, if they're not gonna fight back, if they're not gonna fight fire with fire. If they will allow this PR uh, messaging to win the perception and tank the jury pool. That's the bottom line. Black folks are going to simply be mad. Black folks, the only thing they're going to get uh, being bold to do is tear up their own neighborhood once again, attack innocent white folks who might just be passing through. Wrong place, wrong time. This was a crime. It was a travesty, but the American justice system will, again, fail black people, and this will just be another failure. Why haven't you had a PR firm out there pushing the report from the Malcolm X Grassroots Project? These are opportunities that are simply missed, and these are opportunities that will haunt us. And as everybody wrings their hands after the fact, this is what this is what has done us in. The inability. Well, Alpha is, is uh, referencing the every twenty-eight hours report issued by the grass, uh, the Malcolm X Grassroots uh, Organization. And if you have not read it, you should read it. Alpha, um, I think that you, along with a lot of people, are very pessimistic about what's going to happen in this Seminole County courtroom uh, over the next. I would I would anticipate that this trial is going to take about six months. Uh, the defense, if they're smart, just going to drag it out. They're just going to drag it out over and over. But what we, we do know that there are hundreds of pages of documents and photographs which were uh, gathered by the Florida Special Prosecutor, Angela Corey, um, and they were shared earlier last week, um, last month, I'm sorry, uh, with the attorneys for Zimmerman as part of the discovery process in this trial. 
uh, and that Trayvon Martin died of a single gunshot to the heart, and he had a single scratch on one knuckle when he died. But now, if you if you listen to the tape and you believe it is Trayvon Martin, then that was a person who was awfully frightened. Well, don't sound like he was winning the fight either. If there was and a it, fight. Yeah, if there was a fight. And if there was a fight, it seemed to me that there would have been more uh, forensic evidence indicating a fight, and according to what we know now, there wasn't. Well, that's done by design. If you mm-hmm. bought the investigation from the beginning, you give the defense the toehold by which to create reasonable doubt. So you don't have blood sample or you don't have a um, drug test for Zimmerman, alcohol test for Zimmerman. You have no test for him whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's like the same invest kind of investigation that the Justice Department, the State Department, did in the slaughter of the 16 civilians at this intersection in Iraq by black war. You do a bad job, so therefore they cannot be, a prosecutor cannot sustain an indictment nor get a verdict, so you simply drop it. Absolutely. Hey, Alpha, thank you for your call. Um, Thank you, Dennis. I, I, I hope uh, I hope everyone will join us tomorrow night with Dr. Raymond Wimbush as we talk about what this means and the violence against both emotional, mental, and physical violence by police um, and and that and the implications of this case and what happens in this trial and also of the um, Detroit trial. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, in the Detroit crowd, they're talking about all. I mean, some of the stuff that that have been released in regard to the people, you know, a, a good um, the the grandmother testified on Monday, and they just smeared her from one end of Detroit to the other uh, because they had hookah, electrical hookups that were illegal, and blah blah blah, and. Um, and, you know, what was in the apartment. And, and we allow our courts to go into, to to be smeared, the justice system to be, the justice process to be smeared by ugly, irrelevant nonsense. That's the whole thing. We, we never have a PR answer to the Absolutely. overwhelming PR process. That's right. Alpha, thank you so very much. We've got a short time. That's Alpha of the Alpha Show, and you should join him each um, Friday night at 10 p.m. at TruthWorks Network, and we appreciate your call. We appreciate all of you being with us uh, here tonight. We hope you'll join us tomorrow night with uh, Dr. Raymond Wimbush. Uh, Let people know that we're doing this and that uh, from their smart devices, their phones, and 
iPads. They can call 347-838-9852 or join us at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. We also suggest that you uh, check out our Facebook page and like us, subscribe to us, and follow us on Twitter at JaniceOCG. Um, and uh, I think it's very important that we talk about these issues, um, and we talk about them among ourselves in a in a safe place. You can't go to work and talk about George Zimmerman. It's not a safe thing to do. I'm Janice Graham, and this has been Our Common Ground. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you. If America's talking about it, we're talking about it. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Graham. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Rise up, black men. I said, rise up, black men. Rise like the rush of a million men marching up mountains to obtain their mental manumission. Let African pride be our ammunition and let's engage in sedition if we must. Because it's up to us to uplift our nation from the dust of dreadful damnation. Rise up, black men. I said, rise up, black men. Rise up like a million men marching against the tide of societal injustice. Rise like a Nubian phoenix, turning that anger that burns incessantly on your inside into a torch that you take to toss on to the next generation so that they can take that flame and frame a resilient picture of our future. Rise up, black men. Rise to the occasion. Show the world how black men are still in the households and not all in jail, still pursuing their education and proudly paying tuition, not bail. And you, you bold black men on lockdown must show the world that you got your head up with your eyes on the prize because that prison cell you're in just could be a blessing in disguise. See, even in the prison, where we live like slaves, black men, you have the power to break those chains or handcuffs, and collectively call everyone's bluff, cause we got too many fakers out there fronting like they're down with the cars, but behind the scenes, they're pulling you down of those crab cars. Be it through legislation, corrupted investigations, or trials with inadequate legal representation. So I say rise up, black men. Rise up and show the world that we're taking command of our destiny, and vow out loud that I will never let them get the best of me. Because God is calling on us to do our best to see a brighter day. So will you rise with me, black man? Will we collectively take a stand until we win what is right for the hour? Because there aren't enough hours in the day for play. To be a real black man, it's that ignorant, afraid of freedom mentality we must play. So take a deep look into your eyes and realize it's time to rise. Just rise up, brother man, and take a stand. Rise up, black man. I said rise up, black man. Rise up. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Graham. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you. Speaking truth to power and ourselves.
giving the guys a peace. Rolling in the road, boys can leash. Only the doctor's got to some high from police. Cocaine teeth, all white like I got the whole thing bleached. Drug dealer cheek. I'm wondering if I love prayer preach. It's pious, pious. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week, and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. With all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon, how come I ain't got no money here? Mm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my bill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send these doctor bills, air mail special. To Whitey on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> 